just have to hear the, the punchline. In any case, we think that our actions warrant something else, but they do not. So we can never rely on our actions. We can never say, my actions are like this, my actions are like that, I've been doing like this for this many years. And we say, Allah, you have given me the ability to do this. Just as you have given me the ability, you grant me the reward for it as well. So there's, a, there's a, another line from another um, book like this. And he says, من علامة الاعتماد على العمل عدم الرجوع عدم الرجاء عند وجود الزلال right because we know that we cannot rely on our actions so what is the the benchmark for knowing if I'm relying on my actions or not because we know we cannot rely on them how do I know if I'm relying on them or not because mashallah I paid four rakats nafil before asr or I paid asr salah Alhamdulillah, I did it. Right? I'm not in denial that I didn't do it. But how do I know that I am not relying on this action? Right? So this is again a subtle point. Right? So now you do it, you understand if you've been relying on your actions for this entire, by when you don't have it. So there's a very famous proverb that things are noticed or recognized through their opposite. If you only had day, you would never recognize what night is. If you only had day, you would never know the absence of day. Like, it doesn't even make sense. So now when we lose our action, when we don't have the action, right? I've been praying for my tahajjud uh, for so many years. The night I miss it, what is my reaction? I say, oh, everything's on the drain. That's it. I'm done for. Why well, I committed this sin. That's it. Straight to hell. There's nothing else. That's my only thing left. What happened? Who created the action? Who gave you the, the permission to do it? It was Allah. Right? Again, now the adab is Allah, I missed it. Give me the tawfiq, don't take it away from me, etc., etc. But the point is, when the action was lost, how did we react? Did we react saying that, oh, there you go, that's it? Or say, subhanAllah, I messed up. Inshallah, tomorrow. Right? There's so much hope for us. And then I'll end this, this line with, another, with one more story. This is, is a famous um, person in the past, and he was a person who used to pray Salah in the first half for years, for years. One day, he got on the second half. I said, Oh my God, what are people going to say? I, I'm always first half guy. Today I got second half. What happened? He realized that this whole time my amal was. My whole amal was not looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or how is he going to react. It was how will people react, number one. But number two is saying that I messed up. Yes, of course. Did you not get the virtue gain first off? Of course. But he was trying. And he has a track record with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he does this. Right? So again, so the point is our actions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need. We need our actions. And we don't need our actions because it warrants something. We need our action because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects it from us. And the more we do it, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hal ihsan. There's no the only reward for, for excelling is excellence. Right? So now we try to excel. Why? For Allah's sake. 
then inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it, not because he needs to, but because he wants to. And that is his promise. So that was, again, read it one more time. The example of the one who supplicates without any actions is like the one who throws or shoots an arrow without a bowstring. Technique is called a drawstring, so we'll just keep it with a drawstring. The next is, what time do we stop actually? Because I know we have some time for dhikr and then dua. I'm going to double check. Okay, I guess we'll just keep going until Adhan happens. Uh, the, the next section, righteousness of your household. This is a very short section. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven lines essentially. But they, they revolve around one story here. The story is in the Quran. This is the story of Musa Islam and Khidr. Is it Khadr or Khidr? Both are there. Both ways of reading it. In any case, Musa Islam and Khidr, they go, and I think we know the, roughly the story. The first, the first trial, essentially, the first arc in the story is they go, they ride on the boat, he breaks the boat, etc. The second one is he comes and he kills the, the kid, the child. And the third one is comes and out of nowhere he builds the wall. And then we know that essentially he built the wall because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala command him to build that wall? Is because can Abuhuma Saliha. That is that their parents were pious. So this is what it comes about. Righteousness of your household. It says, Hufila bisalahi abihima walam yadkur anhuma salahan. That in this story, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highlighting whose piety? The kids' piety? He didn't even mention their piety. Good kids, bad kids. Bad kids now are going to have a better future or the, um, the opposite. They're not, it's not even relevant to the story of what the type of kids they were. My mother, boy, girl, anything does not matter. The only thing that's relevant for this entire story is that their forefathers were, their parents were pious people. And then Imam Qutbi rahimullah mentions that it wasn't the first line of parents, it wasn't the kids' parents, rather it was seven generations up of, uh, of piety and that has long lasting impacts. So the point is, we want to have righteousness in our household for our family, for our kids, for our spouse, etc. The first thing that we need to do is ourselves become pious. We can't say, I'm going to live my life how I live my life, and then I want my kids to be pious. And then, you know, Bismillah, they'll, they'll take care of it. Jannah, inshallah, you make dua for me, you know, you become hafiz, you get me into Jannah. I'm going to still do, be on my way. People do that. People do that. The person whose actions hold him back, his lineage will never hold him, never push him forward. Yes, if you want to be technical, it has a sort of, um, in like you know, like in, uh, in you have like beta, right? Like if it's higher, then it's like a little change is going to have a huge change, where something has like a lower beta, uh, that change is not going to have that much of effect. Whatever. A person whose actions will hold him back, his lineage will never 
push him forward. But if his actions are good, will his lineage take him ahead? Yes, of course. It can, it can help. And this happens for both for actual family, but also your associates. Who are you connected to spiritually? Who are you connected to academically? Like, oh, I am from this. I am, I am from this masjid. I know all the people in this masjid are pious, therefore I'm pious. Right? Or I have sanad in hadith. All these people in the sanad are, are pious. I'm, inshallah, I will get some barakah and I'll enter. No, that never happens. That person sins, one person sins will never transfer to another person. Likewise, a person's good deeds, their sacrifice will not transfer. The reward will not transfer. Again, sadaqah, jariyah, those types of stuff excluded. We're talking about all things constant. Right? Right. Now a person says, what I do, my sins are between me and Allah. You know, I was just in this discussion with some, some, some people going through some marital problems and then the girl married this guy under pretense that he's pious and then finds out that he doesn't really pray so Allah. He says, oh, you never asked me. Like, well, I assumed you prayed because you're, you know, all these other reasons. But, said, but that's between me and Allah. That's between me and Allah. You have nothing to do with this. Why are you getting involved? Well, no more, she's your wife. But um, <laughs> the point is, is it just between you and Allah? Yes, the thawab and the iqab, the punishment of it is only on, going to be on you, definitely. Only on me, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows to live righteous lives. Right? But the consequence of that extends, you know, like, like we have externalities, right? You're doing all these things, but there's ramifications, right? Let's take, so how does my salah, my tahajjud, my staying away from bad deeds and sin, how does that affect my children or my family? When you take the example of a person who's an alcoholic, Okay, is the family going to get sinned? Are the ch are the children going to get sinned for the father's uh, alcoholism? No, but will they be adversely affected? Any sane person say definitely. Right. A person smokes. Are the children going to get sinned for it? No, but are they going to get um, secondhand, thirdhand? Um, what's it called? Secondhand smoking exposure. Will they get exposure? Definitely they'll get exposure. Right? So like, like that, we can, we can understand that scenario because it's a very apparent um, correlation between drinking, smoking, etc. And then this, or gambling, etc. Because they're very outward things. But in that same vein, a person who does sins, yes, the reward and punishment is on the person. But the positive or the negative impact can last generations. Can definitely last generations, as we can see. And unfortunately, this happens in our community. That we want to live our life how we want to live our life. And then we want our kids to live a different life. Again, parents obviously want a better life. They want them to be better. That's in its place. But the issue is, I'm not going to rectify my situation. I'm just going to make sure you don't get fall into it. So parents are listening to something bad, and say, so you don't listen. They're watching something bad, inappropriate, no, nothing like grotesque, but anything. And they say, okay, but you, you close your eyes. We can watch. If it's, if it's not good for the kid to watch, it's probably not good for you to watch either. Right? Just because you got desensitized to it doesn't make it any less impactful. 
We tell our, our kids, you know, you should be punctual on salah and, you know, importance of praying in the masjid. We drop our kids off to Islamic school. The time comes along, we'll just pray at home. Because we're busy people, we have stuff to take care of. You just threw everything down the drain. All your hard work, all your advice, all your dua, you know, sending them to Islamic school, Islamic programs. The mashallah, the imam was talking about this and that, and then they go home and parents are like, yeah, you know, Imam Sahib is a little bit hardcore, you know, you have to be a bit balanced. You know, in deen and dunya. Right? And then what ends up happening if, is when parents or people in charge, I don't want to say this, just parents, but parents are like the standard thing for responsibility, right? You don't expect a child to have responsibility for the parents or for the siblings, right? So it's a parent's job. Just as generally when you talk about protecting or being in control of your uh, phone, we say, oh, the youth, it's a problem of the youth. But in reality, it's a problem of everybody, right? But we, we focus on the youth because it's, it's very apparent. You can see the relationship. So the same way when you're talking about taking care of the household and family, that, that burden is on the parents. So they say, let's, let's, let's say, so the environment has to be created. And as we see here, the actions of the parents, the piety of the parents, definitely have an impact. Again, as a HIFS teacher, I see, we take the kids out to field trip. How they react to something is very telling of the, the culture of the household, right? You go to the zoo. We, we took the kids to the zoo last year. And of course, like every other place, they have music. And now what's the ruling of that? You can ask Mufti Zee, Mufti Manhaj at your candlelight reflections, inshallah, candle or the post-Fajr adult talk. The adults can, I'm sorry, you probably can't join. Um, one, one child puts his e fingers in his ear and says, I can't stop for haram. And another kid, both are in hibs. Both are in hibs. Both are learning the same hadith, same Quran. Other kid starts dancing to the music. Wait, is it saying that the family is listening to music in the house? No. But the thing is that the discussion, the reaction was never cultivated in the child. Right? And that, that definitely that happens through talking about it, number one, definitely. But then now, I feel like I'm going to go over time, 7.30. So again, what time should I finish? In five minutes. So I think we get the point that we, want to, we need to create a culture in our household of piety. And that's not something that's done passively. You look at these companies, right? You, know, you go to a strategic planning class or, or a management class, right? you talk about culture, right? And the culture is not heavy-handed in the sense that, okay, everybody should be happy but go to work. If you're not happy, then something's wrong. No, you create the environment, right? So the same thing in the household, it has to be actively uh, developed. And uh, I'll finish off Hajim Dadullah he mentions that there's three, three things. Uh, for this. Number one is قول, your statements, the words, the discussions you have, um, and just talking in the car, in the house, in dinner time. Just what are the discussions happening? Is it always just about basketball? Is it always about politics? What are the kids hearing you talk about with your friends, with your colleagues? Anywhere. Number two is your own action. And number three is your hal, your, your own internal piety has a direct impact. Just as we said, a person's sins has this external impact, just like that, 
a person's internal piety, it flows out of them. And then people are impacted by that. So, again, a lot of these things are, subhanAllah, so much that can be said. Um, and that's what's so nice about these small things. You just sit there and you think about it for days. And then, inshallah, whatever comes to your mind, inshallah, that's beneficial. That maybe I should do this, maybe I shouldn't do that. And then, inshallah, consulting with, with the scholars and people who are specialized in this type, type of, in this domain. And inshallah, many great things will happen for us and for our families and for our progeny and the ummah as a whole. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdik, nashadu ila ilaha 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 nastaghfiru kana tubu ilaik. I'm sorry. So now everybody can inshallah make their way downstairs and then we will have a dua inshallah. Remote dua inshallah. So mashallah everybody here is in itikaf so you guys are having all the good deeds. The best good deeds to do in Ramadan is to be in itikaf. So inshallah so the people who are not in itikaf will be piggybacking off of your good deeds inshallah.